Here back at the NBA All-Star Game in Indianapolis, the 24th annual NBA Tech Summit, and I am joined by President of uh, NBA Operations, League Operations, Byron Spurwell. Thank you so much for time, sir. Last time I saw you, we were in your office. That was like 2019? Yeah, we were I think talking that's right. About that's, before, that's before the pandemic yes, and everything. Yeah, before the so, pandemic. Yeah, and we had our time. You. Vegas, as a matter of fact. We yeah, saw that's right. That Vegas. is right. We saw that's each right. other. And right. a lot of stuff was happening then. We yeah. were talking about Missy. At, at that point, the Missy turn wasn't even in yet. And play-in right. was still developing. That's but, right. That's right. Um, here we are again. Listen, it's Black History Month in February, so let's start there, right? When you think about Black History Month, who stands out to you more? And, and ignore the notables, Byron. I'm talking about okay. somebody who might, people may not know, and, and, and who was the inspiration. Thank you, Jabari. You. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And always a pleasure to, to visit yeah. with you. I got to start with my folks. Yeah. And they, they're not notable, if you will, but mm-hmm. for me, that was the ground. That was the foundation. We grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. I got a brother and a sister. Brothers that since passed. Yeah. Uh, sister's still going. She's eight years older than me. Uh, but my parents, Eva Ray yeah. and Walter Spruell, were the foundation for me. And they were their work ethic, their common sense, their business sense. We weren't poor. We weren't rich, right middle class. And they knew how to really build us up. And education was the key. Yeah. So for me, it's my parents. Absolutely. I, mean, I, could, again, I could give you notables, you know, um, President Obama mm-hmm. and others. But for me... The foundation. Absolutely. Starts at home. The Spurrell. Yeah. yeah. Starts at home, man. Thank you. Well, listen, you're in charge of when people watch the NBA, when they see the calls, when they see the fl- This is all under your department. Like, you, you <laughs> control this. You, the midseason tournament, the play-in, all, you're the brains behind this. And so it's a privilege, obviously, because I don't think a lot of people know yeah. that there's a black man behind the scenes that are helping the NBA run its operations. When you think about the role that you sit yeah. in today in yeah. the NBA as a black man, yes, sir. how does it feel? Uh, I don't take it for granted. I'm blessed to be in this role. It comes with experience and knowledge, but Adam told me right away it's about relationships too, mm-hmm. right up front. And so to get a lot of the things that we've got done, it's been a huge team effort, a huge team effort. But to get a lot of things that we've gotten done, um, we never pat ourselves on the back. We're always still looking for that next level of excellence. But it's been a good journey, yeah. if you really think about it. Since we last met, we've had the pandemic. Mm-hmm. We worked through that. That, Jabari, was actually a catalytic moment in that we got through the season and finished and, and crowned the champion. But we learned a lot of lessons from that that also came more innovation. Mm. And if you recall, that's what we first introduced. Now, play-in tournament, mid-season or in-season tournament, those concepts have been around for years. Like since 20, 2008, mm-hmm. 2009, we've sort of reintroduced it, re-energized it since I've been on board. Yet... I think it took the pandemic to sort of open people's eyes up to less traditional things because we had to get through a season. And so you'll recall that was the 8-9 the, the matchup mm-hmm. for Memphis and Portland was the first time that we introduced an element into real NBA games, and that was for the play-in, right? right? And now it's 7 through 10, and that really matters. You've got the three tiers. Look at this year, 1 through 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Mm-hmm. You really are vying for position. And then i got to go to the end-season end tournament. That journey to get all of the relationships and stakeholders in place to agree that we should do something innovative and new and different, and boy, did it play out that way. Again, not patting ourselves on the back, but a good inaugural season for the foundation of this moving forward. And so when we continue to do things that are innovative around the game, it's fascinating to me, but it's a huge team effort. Yeah. So I'm, 
I'm just blessed to be in a position to uh, help and influence those types of innovations. Yeah. Well, listen, that's one of my favorite parts of the innovation that happened over the last few years was the play. And I really feel yeah. there, there's an energy there. Teams are already admitting we, we want to stay out of that because they want to play the extra game. <laughs> there's a tier. So it, it, it is. It really tier. is. Yeah. Definitely going to get dive into that more. But yep. we're here at the All-Star Game again sure. in Indianapolis. We're going back in time. We're revamping it, right? <laughs> East versus West again. Yes, sir. Adam came, comes out and he says, Back to basketball. Right. I'm taking that to saying no more gimmicks, right? We had right. fun with it, and now we're going back to East-West. That's right. But even then, Byron, East-West matchups before the revamp wasn't really – It was you guys went and innovated. Why go back now, and what are you looking for? Yeah, I mean, being in Indianapolis um, and the community here, sort of another heartland of basketball, the Simon family and being able to celebrate them, uh, longest tenured mm-hmm. uh, ownership group, governor group, and also just an essence that even when Joe D said, Joe Dumar says, you know, this is an 82 game league. We want to get back to the bases, get back to basketball and bring that to all the elements, the player participation policy, the end season tournament. And now the big one, the other third big one for this year, which we talked to teams about in the preseason is the all-star game and the all-star weekend. Let's get back to basics, make it an East West traditional classic and, and let's ball. Let's hoop. Let's, yeah. throw up the, let's throw up the ball and let's hoop. So, not that they were gimmicks, but there was some that energized around the, the captain's picks, um, the target score, things like that that we've done back to Chicago in 2020, which was a good one, mm-hmm. celebrating Kobe around the 24 target score, celebrating David Stern, celebrating the game, and that was a very competitive game, the All-Star game itself with AD winning on a free throw, if you recall that. Then Cleveland was another good one with LeBron and, and Steph just showed out being the Cleveland kids, if you will, mm-hmm. the surrounding uh, area of the Cleveland market. Uh, and now we just wanted to get back. Utah didn't play out as well for us. Uh, it wasn't a compelling and competitive game. We wanted to make sure that we had a format to get the guys to go toss the ball up and go hoop. And yeah. so that's been the focus for yeah. us. Do you, and, your, and I would just say yeah. one, one more thing. In addition, though, we still wanted to bring some sizzle to it. So right. even like for Saturday night, the, the LED floor, that's going to be very interesting to see another innovation come into our game. Not yet ready for to play on Friday night or to play on the mm-hmm. actual gameplay on Friday or Sunday night. But for something like this to be introduced and what you'll see, particularly from a broadcast perspective, I think it's going to be phenomenal yeah. on Saturday night. Yeah. So there's still some elements that we yeah. also want to innovate around. Yeah. Does your broadcast partners have a hand in that? Because, you know, you look at the, the all-star ratings, right? Yeah. It yeah. reached a record low, 4.5 million viewers last season. That was right. across two networks. And then before right. that, there was another low in 2021, 5.1. What does your partners tell you about ways to rejuvenate this? Because right. they got money on the line, too. And the advertisers want to see audiences so that they can collect there. And it's a big ecosystem at play. Right. All of these tent poles, if you will, off their game and season tournament now, we look at the metrics. And certainly our partners all the way through from the media partners in a, you know, a, a interesting time around negotiations. Uh, the PA is an interesting partner and, and vital partner to a lot of these things. And, of course, our teams as well, just kind of being part of the whole NBA ecosystem. So it has, it has to all work together for us to, to make a difference. And I think here uh, we did focus on those numbers and metrics and want to make sure that we elevate the game to, to really do much better. Um, yeah. And I think Adam has also teased, you know, maybe in San Francisco next year, there's some element of let's get back to basketball East-West this year, but maybe there's some element of U.S. versus world next year, even in the Austin. Yeah. We've done that in the sort of rising stars element format. Nationality is at play, yeah, right? Well, and that's, that's the, yeah. And you think about all the MVPs the last few years, yeah. um, obviously KD, LeBron, Steph, you know, there's, there's just so much. But in addition to that, you know, Giannis and Jokic and 
others who've who've uh, been able and be been able to rise that mantle around MVP. So maybe there's something there to get the guys energized around a competitive game too. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that court, I'm looking forward to it, made by a German company. Yes. When was the first time that you've seen that glass we, court? Yeah, we saw it video-wise. We had a few people on the mm-hmm. team effort. We had a few people on our team that went and saw it on FIBA competition. And I think it was actually first started on a tennis court, somebody told me the other day. But this is a while back. But when I first got introduced to it, was on a video first. Um, there was a collection of us, Adam, Mark, others. And we said, wow, that would be interesting to mm. sort of bring and introduce it to some element of our game. And uh, we think Saturday night now at Lucas Oil is going to be fantastic for it. Um, then we got an actual chance to touch and feel it, if you will, a section of it. We've set up in Secaucus over what the replay center is um, on the ground floor there. Uh, myself, Joe Dumars, a few of our people from basketball operations as well came over, tested it out. We had the PA, so Andre and uh, Mutaba come over. They were there as well, tested out. And so it was like, wow, this could be special. Mm-hmm. And now to see that small piece in the videos work together to now be like, I was at rehearsal last night uh, for some of the elements of Saturday night. And you just, it's like a wow factor. Yeah. Like to really see it all come together. Again, relationships, stakeholders have to buy into it. But to see it all come together, I think it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, yeah I mean, and listen, the, 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 <laughs> the money that could possibly be made off it, because all the digital displays on it. I know Absolutely. I'm getting so ahead the, of myself, well, but the, it's business. Yeah, it's, it's business. business. And the German company, I mean, they've been fantastic partners, mm-hmm. again, in all of this. Uh, I know it's going to be a lot of exposure for them. There's some elements to think about in terms of how much, how much it costs and then how, how much time it takes to install for kind of real scaling of yeah. it. Yeah. But to be introduced this way, we're really excited and glad to have a partner like yeah. that. Yeah. What's the, the day-to-day of a president of league operations in the NBA? Because <laughs> um, I remember at your it, old job when you were back in the, in the corporate it, it, world doing yeah, professional it, it, services, it, it, and yeah, I saw you yeah, said a yeah. day in the life is you're talking to clients and yeah. you're helping mentoring people. Yeah. But now you're in sports. Like, what's the day in the life of, of your job? It, in a way, Jabari, it's much the same. It's still people and relationships yeah. and working through issues uh, for clients, if you will, but just different stakeholders in this regard. Yet that sort of intense environment, particularly in season, day to day around, this is my eighth season now. Mm -hmm. And so I can anticipate a lot more versus the first couple of years. But even with that, there are just things that you go through in a day to day situation that some of it will be sort of normal and rote and others will be kind of, wow, I didn't expect that. And so you just work through it. And here again, it's it's a team effort, whether it's a officiating issue or some discipline issue around basketball, what, whatever it is, some operational issue, whatever it is, we just kind of take it in, understand what needs to be done, certainly consult with Adam and Mark where needed. Um, Rick Buchanan has also been a great ally from that perspective. Yeah. So uh, it's, a, it's really a team effort. Yeah. And so uh, day-to-day, it's uh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the off-season, you do get a chance to breathe, but here again, you're still talking about evolving the game. So it's always on your mind as to what, we, what should we be doing next the competition committee which we run, that group of stakeholders to make sure we're evolving the game in a way that really matters. So yeah. go back to rule changes and things like that, non-basketball moves, transition take file, things like that where sometimes we're anticipating and can get ahead of it. Sometimes we are actually a little bit reactive, I'll say that. But yet, even now, this whole idea around scoring and offensive defensive balance, where is that going? What should we be doing more of or less of to make sure that Yes, our talented players can show their skills both on both sides of the basketball. So yeah. the offensive skill is great, and the freedom of movement is great. 
but what can we do more about the physicality, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So it's all, like I say, it's fascinating to me day to day, uh, in season a bit more uh, intense, mm -hmm. off season a little bit more strategic and, and, and active around engaging and thinking about how the game can be evolved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Take me back, man. You yeah. grew up in Cleveland, and you yes. kind of you said that. Um, you know, uh, worked in professional services yes. in an accounting uh, firm for uh, a number of years. Got your bachelor's degree, you know, from the University of Notre Dame, where you played, right? Football, for football. Holes. Played yes, football, sir. right? <laughs> uh, and in high school, you had this left knee injury, which yes. kind of you were going around and recruit on recruit recruiting trips on crutches, on right? Crutches. Did you think you were going to be in the NFL? Did you want to be an NFL player? A absolutely. And so I love both games. Actually, I started in gymnastics. Mm -hmm. Wow. I just did. And I still do a pretty good career. I don't have time for that. But anyway, started in gymnastics. So kind of was a blessed to be an all-around athlete and also good academically. And I told you, education was important in our mm -hmm. family. That was kind of a, the ticket. And so um, the basketball love for it, but I was 6'5 center at the time. So, you know, that the days, that's a, that's a small guard, right? But love the game of basketball. Knew that wasn't going to get me to D1 level more like D3 level, but then football was the place for me to get to D1 level and was recruited by a number of schools uh, coming from Cleveland. So Ohio State was high on the list, Notre Dame, Michigan, Penn State, West Virginia. And I also knew that I wanted to be an engineer because a sixth grade teacher told me, Byron, you're so good at math and science, you ought to think about engineering. So that always stuck with me. So undergrad was mechanical engineer met my wife who was an aerospace engineer my wife now uh, at Notre Dame as well so it's been good for us that whole evolution but where I'm going with it Jabari is I thought the student athlete piece of that at Notre Dame at the time I'm dating myself but at the time was and still is one of the best places yeah. for that combination and coming out I thought wow I played against some great Great talent at the college level at that time. Russell Maryland, Daniel Stubbs, um, just as an offensive lineman. And so that knee injury was a blessing in disguise because I was recruited as a defensive lineman, then switched to offense, offense yeah. and ultimately could control my body a bit better. And it actually worked out where I was an elected <clears throat> co-captain with Chuck Lanza in my final year through the Coach Holtz uh, transition and leadership. And so great man. We, we talked in the past a little bit, you and I, about what's important now, his sort of win concept mm -hmm. and trust, love, and commitment and things like that that are grounded in you. But for me, the opportunity to be thought about as going in the draft, the NFL draft, um, didn't materialize for me. Uh, I ended up going, because of the knee injury, ended up going um, more the free agent route, uh, wasn't drafted, went to a couple teams. Kansas City ended up waving me and what I ended up doing. And it's, it's interesting, the combination, and it's ironic actually, because the combination of academics and athletics, which I thought was an advantage to me, ended up hurting me from an NFL perspective because they didn't think I was hungry enough. Mm -hmm. I'd finished my, my undergrad in engineering. I'd started my MBA. And so I was like, okay, I know when it's time for me to hang up the cleats, that's fine. But they didn't think I was hungry enough. And that sort of ate at me, but at the same time, went back, finished my MBA, started seven years in consulting, 20 years at Deloitte, and now eight years with the NBA. So it all has a purpose to it. Yeah, it all yeah. has a purpose to it. One, one quick story, it was, it was fun to actually go through the process, uh, fun, fun and daunting to actually go through the process to interview for my current role, two sessions basically, or two levels of it with the team that I'm now part of, the executive team, so Adam, Mark, Rick mm -hmm. Buchanan, and others I've mentioned before. 
uh, were part of the interview process. And then they said, well, wait a minute, there's another level. And that was a meet with six governors. I won't mention all of them here, uh, but six governors, fascinating discussions about what the role was about and what their expectations were. But again, starting sort of to understand the environment, maybe the relationships. But long story short, once I get the offer from Adam, it was almost like, wow, I didn't make it professionally from an athletic perspective to the NFL, right. but great to get the call from the commissioner to yeah. join the NBA in this, in this yeah. role. And, and for me, again, it's purpose, man, because the first official game for me in 2016 was watching Adam Silver give out yes. rings yeah. Yeah. to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Come on, man. Yeah. yeah. I <laughs> mean, and, and then I, years then later, all-star games in I'm Cleveland. Not saying, I'm <laughs> sitting there in Quicken Loans Arena, yeah. my first official game in this role, and Adam Silver is giving out rings to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. Now, I love all 30 teams now. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. good. Yeah, it was, I mean, listen, especially yeah. you're a Cleveland yeah. guy. Yeah. You're a exactly. Cleveland guy, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned Lou Holtz, and, yes. and uh, one of the concepts that, you know, the acronyms that always, you know, that stood out to me was the win. What's yeah. important now? And then TLC, trust, love, and commitment. Yep. We at Forbes, we got this Forbes BLK community, and it's a group of black entrepreneurs, professionals, just people that are on the rise. I'm looking for the next piece of advice, the yeah. next, that, that saying that might get them to that level. What would you tell people about why to take those acronyms seriously? Um, you never know where those nuggets of advice, leadership, mentorship, sponsorship are going to come from. In my case, it's my high school coach, Coach Black, is... Lou Holtz <clears throat> at the college level, it's Barry Salzberg, who was uh, the CEO of Deloitte at the time when he took me under his wing as his chief of staff and then gave me other opportunities to lead in that organization. You know, and of course now working with Adam and Mark. And so to me, it's all about purpose. But with that, when you think about wellness and all those things, I've got like just four levels of it that I want to make sure Byron is always grounded. And if Byron is grounded in these and can balance them, and he's a happy person and the people around him can be happy. And that's take care of your mind, take care of your body, take care of your heart, meaning family, mm -hmm. and take care of your soul, meaning faith. And so if you're doing that on a balanced level without it getting too much out of balance, then I'm in a good place and, and the people around me are in a good place. Yeah, you are where you are now, right? And again, phenomenal career at the NBA um, and you're the hunger seems there, <laughs> now. but uh, take me back to that, that, you know, young Byron you know, at Municipal <laughs> Stadium watching the Browns games with his dad. Yeah. What wow. would you tell that Byron? What advice would you give him about what to navigate in the future? Wow, that's a great question. Um, stay true to yourself. Honor your family name. And I think my mom and dad would say that We've been able to do that because I yeah. say we and that the foundation that we saw, talked about earlier. Um, and as you stay true the, to that authentic self, have a purpose and impact to it. Um, I'm on the Jack Robinson Foundation Board and mine is uh, uh, life is unimportant, but for the impact it has on other lives. And so a great quote from Jackie Robinson. And I, I've sort of embraced that as well. Mm -hmm. So from a family element, I want to make sure and I hope my son is <laughs> gets to see some of this, but um, he's 27 now, my daughter's 23, wife of 30 plus years now, and so we've been blessed. And so to continue that tradition and that legacy, if you will, for my family, that's important to me. Absolutely. That's important to me. And whatever impact we can make, particularly as black leaders, 
yeah. is important. So that's the kind of rounded, that rounded and balanced advice I would give to anybody. Take care, be selfish and take care of yourself around mind, body, heart, and soul, but know that in doing that, that is going to have an influence and a cascading and a catalytic effect to others. Absolutely. Yeah. Looking at some big picture stuff here, because, you know, listen, you got a lot of stuff to do. It was All-Star Weekend, and you, <laughs> I see the hunger in your eyes, man. You got, you got stuff to do. Energy. You got to keep yourself. the energy. Got the energy. Absolutely, <laughs> man. When you, when you think about where we were, again, you know, that talk we were having in the office and in, yeah. in Vegas, uh, what's been the biggest positive surprise that the league has, has endured over these last four years, starting from the pandemic till now? Um, the... As I said, the, the pandemic itself was a, a, a big, big, huge, I could use other words, consulting project mm. for, for me, from my perspective. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Rick always teased me that I was trying to break it down to be so simple. It's like, who's going to play in it? Where are we going to be? What are we going to accomplish? Why are we doing it? So break it down to a consulting project. At least that was my perspective, being part of the team to yeah. get us through. Obviously, you know, Adam's leadership to understand the science and not put anybody in danger, but have the safety of it where we could actually complete the season. Because at the end of the day, it's basketball and the impact it can have, mm -hmm. but also it's a business. And so that combination and making sure all the stakeholders were on board. And we didn't, we didn't please everybody. Remember, 22 teams went down there, eight mm -hmm. sat out. And so all of those things go into it. And when you start really peeling it back, there's a lot that goes into making all that work. And so the biggest surprises to me have been the ability to cut through a lot of it, given the relationships, given the purpose that we're trying to have mm -hmm. as a global organization. I think just to be able to cut through it all, that's been the most surprising. Now, along the way, pandemic, coming out of the pandemic, um, new elements like the in-season tournament, like the play-in tournament, all those things have been just uh, markers as to what's possible. And we're always looking at what's the next sort of innovation that can make a difference in this game yeah. and have an impact on the world. Yeah. yeah. With positives, there are negatives as well. It's yeah. been the biggest negative surprise that the league has, has experienced over these last four years. Um, some of the pushback, I would say, that we, we ultimately get as an organization, you always want to do the right thing, and we think we're well positioned to have a platform, our players have a platform, but in today's environment around social media media, uh, and content and others, I'd say there's just always some pushback that you just can't, and we know we can't please everybody, um, and not that you don't keep trying, but I think the, the pushback that comes from different positions that we'll take, uh, I won't get political mm -hmm. here, but just mm -hmm. different positions we'll take, the pushback that, that comes, even the, the negativity, even some of the nastiness that comes from that, it's like, and what what are people thinking? What are we doing there? Is, yeah. There's no reason to hate on certain things when yeah. you're really trying to do all good. Yeah. Well, speaking of pushback, yeah. you know, from time to time, I still peek my head in locker rooms. And one of the last <laughs> ones I've peeked my head in, I was at the Sixers and Spurs game, had okay. a chance to talk to Greg Popovich. And, you know, we were talking about offensive production. And, yeah. and you probably hear it a lot nowadays. There's a big conversation around, hey, listen, is this going too far to the offense? I mean, right. I'm seeing 70-point games, 50, 60, right. 80. And it's like, wait a minute. Come on, man. What happened to that rareness that you – but is it reached a point where it's a little bit too offensive or, or yeah. is it where you guys want it to be? Because there are people who love high-scoring games, right. 
but then you have another constituency that says, no, this isn't what I, I like. Where do you, where are you guys at with that? What's the discussion like? And, and do you have to go to the competition committee and really sit down and talk about this? I'll start there. A absolutely, we'll continue to, to vet it with the competition committee in terms of where we are. If you really look at it, the, the scoring, the individual performances, like you mentioned, mm -hmm. Joel, um, I think Luca had another. So those have been fascinating to watch. But if you look at it, it's just really efficient basketball in terms of the way those guys scored in those particular nights. And so it wasn't necessarily bad defense. It was just really, really good offense. Mm -hmm. Now, given the changes we made of recent, can we continue to look at the game in a way with the competition committee that can bring back, in some people's eyes, a little bit more balance to allow the defense to be as effective as the offense? And so you always want to have that. Joe, I think Joe always puts it in a really good frame, too, and it's wonderful to work with him and have his expertise, certainly. But it's almost like scoring aside, as long as it's a competitive and compelling game, that's really what you want. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to continue to look at it that way. The, the scoring um, per game actually is not as high as people would think, even though there's been some high individual performances. Right. So we're not as concerned about the actual number as much as making sure it is balanced offensive defensive side of the ball as well as then coming out with a really compelling and competitive game each and every night. Right. Some nights we don't hit that, but most nights we do. And so it's really in a good place. We would say it's in a good place, but we always have to continue to look at it, monitor it, evolve it. And the competition committee is key to that. Yeah, in a good place, but is it balanced? Right, exactly. And you so we want to make sure that we continue with a balance. Because think about it again, some of the things that we've actually introduced the last few years, right. non-basketball moves, transition take files, freedom of movement, mm -hmm. have actually given a little bit more advantage to the offense to free them up, if you will. But is there time now to kind of pull that back, um, whatever it is in terms of defensive tactics that we can maybe get a little Bring back the handshake. Well, <laughs> <laughs> even Joe would say we probably won't get all the way back there. So, yeah. so but it's good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another, uh, you know, thing that people are, are, are talking about is um, listen, Adam, I think you guys have done a great job at making every part of your season important, yes. right? And so you have the midseason tournament, which brings that excitement at the beginning. Yep, yep. The middle part, obviously, people are now balancing and they're competing to stay out of the tournament or to play in tournament right. or to get into right. the play in tournament right, because right, right. there are owners who definitely want that money. I and, hear you. Um, and, and now the, the end of your season, obviously, important. So it's like each tier is definitely important, but kind of zeroing in on that midseason tournament. What did you learn? What needs to change? I wasn't a fan of the floors. I thought they were ugly. I'm not going to yeah. lie to you. Okay. But what needs to change? What did you like about it? And what do you see, you know, kind of the next few years looking well, like with this? Yeah, so we're having just that discussion. And, and just to reiterate your point, we, we agree that the three sort of levels of the season now, mm -hmm. the first part very focused and competitive because of the in-season tournament. Yeah. The middle part of it up through All-Star and then the back half. Because if you look right now, teams are well positioned. Absolutely. West and East in yes. terms of the positioning to be one through six, mm -hmm. seven, eight, nine, ten. That really matters. And so a lot of the season throughout now, each game matters. Yes. Right? Right. So with the in-season tournament, we learned a lot. Um, I'd say there's probably two or three things that we're looking at for next year. And then beyond that, we'll see. Because, again, you got – What are those two, three things? So Yeah, I was going to get to – so – scheduling in general in terms of where it lands right now. Remember, and you, you've, you've used the term too, it was really viewed as a mid-season tournament mm -hmm. at first because it was going to be around the all-star time, right. frankly. But we found the right sort of window in the in-season up against the NCAA, up against uh, NFL at the time. But we found a really nice part there. So scheduling in terms of 
does it stay there or does it move to some other part of the season? But right now, in terms of the three levels of mm -hmm. it, it really makes sense. And so we're still looking at, but even the scheduling within sort of the November, December timeframe is something we're looking at. Mm -hmm. The other one that comes up is uh, tiebreakers. So some people like the tradition of the tiebreaker that we're using. Some people don't, mm -hmm. meaning the, you know, the, the margin of victory, if you will. So, so some people are okay with that and some people didn't like that. Yeah. And so we're going to look at that with the competition committee. And then I say in general, you know, the, the courts are one thing, you know, whether we do something, we, but we, it, it serves the purpose. We wanted to make sure people understood when they tuned in, that was different. Yeah. Still the regular season game, but that was different because it was part of the end season. So we're going to look at things like the court, the alternate site. We thought Vegas was wonderful for the semis and the finals this year. We'll continue to Sort of look Will it that. be back in Vegas? You uh, anticipate? Knock on wood. That's the, you know, the hopefully the plan for next okay. year. But then beyond that, we'll we'll see. Is it moving the market? Around. Is it moving around to other alternate sites? So make sure it's warm cities, please. <laughs> <laughs> please, we're si I so, love Indiana's one of my favorite Midwest yeah, cities. It's this, cold. Cleveland's cold. Utah, yeah, Chicago. But the weather's working out, and this is such a compact city to yeah. get around. It really is. Yeah, really is. Like, yeah. But but those are the types of things. So as I say, scheduling and timing throughout the season, the, the tiebreaker. And then sort of the, the site, if you will, and the look, if you will. Yeah. So, so things like that, probably nothing major to change, major beyond that to change in this sort of just next year. But then beyond that, we'll be open to evolving it yeah. as we all yeah. yeah. Players now also, another pushback that you might be getting player participation. Yeah. And, and that particular, I love the rule because yeah. Yeah. players yeah. need to do it, it's, right? I mean, when you start going too far with the resting, this is what comes with it. So I had no problem with it, but you are getting players that are pushing back on it. They're not eligible for titles now. Even if Joel Embiid comes back yeah. from injury, he can't win MVP. Do you tweak that a little bit? Or are you happy where it is? I love it where it is now. We're happy where it is and it's been effective. Here again, yeah. these types of things we will always continue to look at. However, again, go back to stakeholders, the competition committee, the, 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 the players association, NBA, everybody was bought into it from a CBA perspective, and it's actually been very effective. Okay, mm -hmm. it and as, I'll go back to another Joe quote: "This is an 82-game league. That's what we expect. The 65 games is basically 80 percent, right? So between injury and rest, if a guy were, was to miss, you know, 17 or so games, that still feels reasonable to then still be eligible. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah." So we, we like it, we think it's working, we think it's effective, and we think it's gonna curse with the CBA gonna be in place. Are there some things that we could tweak around the edges? Possibly, but for right now, it's, it's here to stay. And, and I get the pushback, and you know, certain years people will have injuries that are more significant that don't help them qualify because they'll be below the, the 65 game threshold. But again, I think it's very reasonable. We had all the stakeholder buy-in needed including the players, yeah. to get it done. Yeah. And, and so, again, we'll continue to monitor it. Yeah. Yeah. Two more things I'll let you yeah, uh, sure, get over sure. here. And the first one is, is uh, Thank BL. You. No, you're welcome, <laughs> man. Thank you for joining me. And BLA, uh, you know, Basketball Africa League, yeah. definitely a league I'm paying attention to, a billion-dollar league right now, last yep. I checked. Um, what's happening there and what's in store for 2024? Continues to grow. I, I keep using the word throughout our time here in terms of foundation, but to be able to launch it several years ago and now to see where it is, continuing mm -hmm. to grow, continuing to expand to even different sites there. Um, I think what Amadou and others have done there has just been fantastic. Yeah. And so the board uh, for BAL is totally behind uh, what we're doing in Africa. you got people like Masai, obviously, who have a big uh, energy and engine around it, too, that, that's been very helpful for his point of view, his perspective as we move things forward, Larry Tannenbaum as well. And so um, 
It's something we're really proud of yet, yet. We still got to continue to make sure we invest in it and grow it because uh, there's a lot of talent that can come from it. And as we continue to grow globally, Africa is a huge place for us to, to really continue to focus. Absolutely, on man. With 2020, 2063, I mean, you know, that, right. that continent is, is, is right. on the rise. Absolutely. Definitely on the rise. Absolutely. Uh, last thing here, Good to Great, right? Jim Collins with a great book, Good to Great, one of my <laughs> favorite, book. my favorite business book. book. Um, what's the difference between a good NBA season and a great one? Good is where we just meet our expectations and our metrics, if you will, viewership, attendance, et cetera. Great to me is when people are truly, we meet automatically, but, but people are truly talking about the impact and influence that the NBA game and as a result, the NBA platform has on communities in the world. Yeah. Our game is that excellent. Yeah. And when people are tapping into it for a variety of reasons, young, old, veteran, black, white, it doesn't matter. When people are tapping into the NBA and the global brand that we have, it can do wonders for the world. Yeah. And we really believe sport, and particularly NBA and basketball, can do that and make a difference. Yeah. And so good is when the game is compelling and entertaining and competitive. Great is when that translates to doing great for the world. Yeah. NFL might look at this and say, oh my God, we passed on that hungry young man. <laughs> <laughs> Byron, thank you so much oh, for the man. time. I Enjoy the All-Star game. Always, and, and, and look forward to Always doing this again. Pleasure, bro. Appreciate it. Okay. All right. Thank you.